Section 35 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Foreman. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 1, by Henry Gray. The Extremities. The bones by which the upper and lower limbs are attached to the trunk constitute respectively the shoulder and pelvic girdles. The shoulder girdle, or girdle of the superior extremity, is formed by the scapula and clavicles, and is imperfect in front and behind. In front, however, it is completed by the upper end of the sternum, with which the medial ends of the clavicle articulate. Behind, it is widely imperfect, the scapula being connected to the trunk by muscles only. The pelvic girdle, or girdle of the inferior extremity, is formed by the hip bones, which articulate with each other in front, at the symphysis pubis. It is imperfect behind, but the gap is filled in by the upper part of the sacrum. The pelvic girdle with the sacrum is a complete ring, massive and comparatively rigid, in marked contrast to the lightness and mobility of the shoulder girdle. The clavicle The clavicle forms the anterior portion of the shoulder girdle. It is a long bone, curved somewhat like the italic letter F, and placed nearly horizontally at the upper and anterior part of the thorax, immediately above the first rib. It articulates medially with the manubrium sterni, and laterally with the acromion of the scapula. Footnote. The clavicle acts especially as a fulcrum to enable the muscles to give lateral motion to the arm. It is accordingly absent in those animals whose forelimbs are used only for progression, but is present for the most part in animals whose anterior extremities are clawed and used for prehension, though in some of them, as, for instance, in a large number of carnivora, it is merely a rudimentary bone suspended among the muscles and not articulating with either the scapula or sternum. End of footnote. It presents a double curvature the convexity being directed toward the sternal end, and the concavity at the scapular end. Its lateral third is flattened from above downward, while its medial two-thirds is of a rounded or prismatic form. Lateral third. The lateral third has two surfaces, an upper and a lower, and two borders, an anterior and a posterior. Surface. The upper surface is flat, rough, and marked by impressions for the attachments of the deltoideus in front and the trapezius behind. Between these impressions, a small portion of the bone is subcutaneous. The under surface is flat. At its posterior border, near the point where the prismatic joins with the flattened portion, is a rough eminence, the coracoid tuberosity. This, in the natural position of the bone, surmounts the coracoid process of the scapula and gives attachment to the conoid ligament. From this tuberosity, an oblique ridge, the oblique or trapezoid ridge, runs forward and lateralward and afford attachment to the trapezoid ligament. Borders. The anterior border is concave thin and rough, and gives attachments to the deltoideus. 
The posterior border is convex, rough, thicker than the anterior, and gives attachment to the trapezius. Medial two-thirds. The medial two-thirds constitute the prismatic portion of the bone, which is curved so as to be convex in front, concave behind, and is marked by three borders separating three surfaces. Borders. The anterior border is contiguous with the anterior margin of the flat portion. Its lateral part is smooth and corresponds to the interval between the attachments of the pectoralis major and deltoideus. Its medial part forms the lower boundary of an elliptical surface for the attachment of the clavicular portion of the pectoralis major and approaches the posterior border of the bone. The superior border is continuous with the posterior margin of the flat portion and separates the anterior from the posterior surface. Smooth and rounded laterally, it becomes rough towards the medial third for the attachment of the sternocleidomastoideus and ends at the upper angle of the sternal extremity. The posterior or subclavian border separates the posterior from the inferior surface and extends from the coracoid tuberosity to the costal tuberosity. It forms the posterior boundary of the groove for the subclavius and gives attachment to the layer of cervical fascia which envelops the omohyoideus. Surfaces The anterior surface is included between the superior and anterior borders. Its lateral part looks upward and is continuous with the superior surface of the flattened portion. It is smooth, convex, and nearly subcutaneous, being covered only by the platysma. Medially it is divided by a narrow subcutaneous area into two parts, a lower elliptical in form, and directed forward for the attachment of the pectoralis major, and an upper for the attachment of the sternocleidomastoideus. The posterior or cervical surface is smooth and looks backward toward the root of the neck. It is limited above by the superior border, below by the subclavian border, medially by the margin of the sternal extremity, and laterally by the coracoid tuberosity. It is concave medial-laterally and is in relation by its lower part with the transverse scapular vessels. This surface at the junction of the curves of the bone is also in relation to the brachial plexus of nerves and the subclavian vessels. It gives attachment near the sternal extremity to part of the sternohyoideus and presents near the middle an oblique foramen directed lateralward which transmits the chief nutrient artery of the bone. Sometimes there are two foramini on the posterior surface, or one on the posterior and another on the inferior surface. The inferior or subclavian surface is bounded in front by the anterior border, behind by the subclavian border. It is narrowed medially, but gradually increases in width laterally, and is continuous with the upper surface of the flat portion. On its medial part is a broad rough surface, the costal tuberosity, rather more than two centimeters in length 
for the attachment of the costoclavicular ligament. The rest of this surface is occupied by a groove which gives attachment to the subclavius. The coracoclavicular fascia, which splits to enclose the muscle, is attached to the margins of the groove. Not infrequently, this groove is subdivided longitudinally by a line which gives attachment to the intramuscular septum of the subclavius. The sternal extremity, extremitas sternalis, internal extremity. The sternal extremity of the clavicle is triangular in form, directed medialward and a little downward and forward. It presents an articular facet, concave from before backward, convex from above downward, and articulates with the manubrium sterni through the intervention of an articular disc. The lower part of the facet is continued on to the inferior surface of the bone as a small semi-oval area for articulation with the cartilage of the first rib. The circumference of the articular surface is rough for the attachment of numerous ligaments. The upper angle gives attachment to the articular disc. The acromial extremity. Extremitas acromialis. Outer extremity. The acromial extremity presents a small, flattened, oval surface directed obliquely downward for articulation with the acromion of the scapula. The circumference of the articular facet is rough, especially above, for the attachment of the chromioclavicular ligaments. In the female, the clavicle is generally shorter, thinner, less curved, and smoother than in the male. In those persons who perform considerable manual labor, it becomes thicker and more curved, and its ridges for muscular attachment are prominently marked. Structure The clavicle consists of cancellous tissue, enveloped by a compact layer, which is much thicker in the intermediate part than at the extremities of the bone. Ossification the clavicle begins to ossify before any other bone in the body. It is ossified from three centers. Two primary centers, a medial and lateral, for the body, which appears during the fifth or sixth week of fetal life, and a secondary center for the sternal end, which appears about the eighteenth or twentieth year, and unites with the rest of the bone about the twenty-fifth year. End of section 35.